Good morning, everybody. It's Jack Graham along with John Peterson for our first recording, first edition of We Talk Photo for 2022. Happy New Year to you, John, and to everybody who's out there, hopefully out there listening to us. Happy New Year, Jack. Um, you know, I, I, <laughs> every time we do a recording, I keep keep hoping we uh, we still have people out there listening, but from what I see coming back from the analytics, I think we're doing okay. Yeah, um, yeah. But, thank, but, thanks everybody for continuing to listen to our podcast as well. Yeah, and we and we we have some special things coming up um, this uh, this year, a little different, but really exciting stuff that we're we're going to unveil to everybody here in the next couple of weeks. But um, today, we're it's our honor to have Huntington Weatherill with us. Um, Huntington, am I pronouncing your last name correctly? I, uh, it's pronounced Witherill. 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 Um, uh, I, I apologize. It's admittedly tough, and, uh, you know, if you get anywhere close, I'm fine. <laughs> but it's easy to remember how to spell, and that's that's a good, that's a good well, thing. Well, actually, that's one of the things that uh, I find interesting when I uh, first put up my website. One of the, thing I, one of the things I did was to put up uh, keywords for people yeah. to search and get to my website. And one of the things that helped me the most was putting up about 10 or 15 different misspellings of my own name, which gets misspelled <laughs> oh, a tremendous amount of times. Uh, uh, well, and that helps people to get there. So you can pretty much spell it anyway. That would be good for me. That'd be good for me because a lot of people who know me well know that I am, I am not a genius in spelling. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, it's an honor to have you. Um, Thank you. It's my pleasure. Huntington is a uh, he. He's one of these uh, well, well, to me, uh, just a, a a thinking man's photographer and the creator. And it's really uh, these are the folks that I look up to a lot, and, uh, and John I know does as well. And yeah. we're really, really, it's our pleasure to have you here. So without. Further ado, Huntington, I'm not going to do it. You know yourself better than anybody. So could you just give everybody a, a quick idea of who you are, what you do, why you do it, whatever you'd like to tell everybody? Let's see, 10 words or less? Uh, uh, no, you could go <laughs> as long as you want. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, I, uh, I've been a photographer for uh, – I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but more than a half century now. Well, that's and, okay. Uh, prior to becoming a photographer in 1970, uh, I was uh, doing my best to try to become a concert pianist. I uh, started playing the piano when I was four years old. Uh, by the time I was 14, I played a couple of uh, public concerts in the Los Angeles area where I'd grown up. Uh, but I had uh, tremendous stage fright problems. And so I realized that there was no way I was going to become a concert pianist. Uh, but I um, nevertheless continued uh, playing music. I got into a rock and roll band for a while. And eventually, when I became 20 years old, a friend of mine uh, gave me a book of photographs and poems by Robinson Jeffers. Uh, and it, it had photographs by a bunch of people that I had no idea who they were, Edward Weston, Ansel Adams, Brett Weston, uh, Wynn Bullock, Steve Crouch, and a number of people like this. 
Now, of the big Sur coastline. Kind of not two well-known people. I, yeah. Well, I didn't know. I had no idea who they were. Uh, but yeah. I did have a camera at the time, and I, I had a 4 by 5 camera. I had a few holders and an old General Electric light meter, and not a clue in the world about what I was doing with it. Uh, but based upon this book, which I loved, I, I can't tell you, I, I just wore the book out going through it. I was so enamored with it that I decided I needed to drop everything I was doing. I moved out of Los Angeles up to Monterey, California, and uh, with the intentions of becoming a fine art photographer. And I've never looked back since that time, and that was in 1970. So, Well, you lived you lived uh, in Monterey. You were around some really great photographers in that area. It seems like an area where people kind of matriculated to that were – into photography because I guess the scenery and just the general attitude up there. Well, for me, it was, uh, you know, everything about, I love Monterey, obviously. It's a wonderful place. Uh, uh, Not only the visual beauty, but I uh, specifically moved up here because of the photographers, the working photographers who lived here. Uh, I didn't know any of them, but I came up here with the intention that I'm going to meet these people and find out what they do and learn from them and try to do what they do. I just wanted to do what they were doing. Uh, so, uh, and I, I met a number, I never met Edward Weston, but uh, uh, you know, I met knew a lot of uh, uh, better known photographers. I knew Ansel Adams, I knew uh, Brett Weston, uh, Kim Weston, who is Edward's mm-hmm. grandson, is yep. probably my best friend in town here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I was good friends with Morley Bear. Uh, my main mentor was a guy named Steve Crouch, who was a very well-known photographer in uh-huh. this area. So, uh, uh, j- just a, qu- a quick question it has nothing mm-hmm. to do with this this podcast, but so a- Ansel was a was known. At least people knew that he played the piano. Yeah. How good was he? He was very good. Uh, he was very good, and uh, like myself, he was uh, very good when he actually played. Uh, and what I mean by that is the piano is not like a bicycle. If you play the piano, I played the piano for 20 years. I played it six to eight hours every day for 20 years. I got pretty good at it. But once I took up photography and stopped playing the piano for about a year, I lost it completely. Yeah. Now, I yep. could sit down at a piano even today and sort of fumble my way through something. And that's kind of what Ansel did in his later years. And, of course, not only uh, had he not played for a long time because he'd concentrated on photography, but he also uh, had the kinds of things that come with age, and I'm getting it as well. You get arthritis. Your fingers don't move the way they used to. Uh, So when I knew Ansel and he would play the piano, no, he didn't play very well, but he played very well, if you know what I mean. Well, you know, you can't do both. When I, when I left, uh, when I decided to get out of the music business, um, you know, I tried to do the music business and learn how to take a photograph at the same time. I couldn't do it. It was one or the other, and things changed, so that's why I went to photography. Anyhow, um, so let's see. Um, where did we leave off in your bio? Um, well, I had uh, – I, I sort of made it as quick as I could and, and said from I started in 1970 and then I continued photographing until 2022 <laughs> and here we are <laughs> today yeah. Uh, yeah. you know I uh, one of the things that uh, I should probably mention is 
my mentor, my main mentor, who was, again, uh, Steve Crouch, uh, one of the first things he did when he saw my work, and this just uh, sort of blows me away to this day because I I can't imagine anybody, uh, anybody doing something like this, but he decided he liked my work well enough that he he uh, had a lot of sway with the Monterey Music locally, and he got me uh, a two-man show in the main gallery at the museum uh, with Edward Weston. Wow! Wow! Now, as a person in the, you know, this was in the uh, mid '70s, uh, to get a show like that and uh, get that kind of recognition, uh, it, you know, he really set me up for for a career in photography. He was a wonderful mentor. Uh, You know, he placed a lot of trust in me. He he had a lot of confidence in me. I'm not sure that it was warranted, uh, but it sure helped me to get started, uh, no question. So um, I just have continued to work. Uh, I I, I honestly uh, can say that for the last, you know, 51 years now, I have done photography of some sort, whether it's, I'm not shooting every day, uh, and I'm, uh, you know, but I'm doing something related to photography every day for the last 51 years. There hasn't you been live a day a go by life. that I don't do something related to photography. Yep. So yep. if for me, it's a, it's a passion. It's an absolute passion. It's not something that I do on weekends or, you know, just a, as a day job or anything like that. It's a horrible way to make a living, obviously, but it's an incredible way to live. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so I consider myself very fortunate yeah. uh, to have been able to do this. Yeah. Um, and I do it every day. I take advantage of it every single day. Yeah, it's a great way to be in a, living a creative life um, is great. But you know, you don't have to work at it. But it's it's you have to. It's it's just great to. That's how we are. And John will tell you. I mean, it. You know, it, it's uh, it's just a great way to live. It's very rewarding. You, you does, know what struck does, me during your bio, Huntington? Just to jump in a little bit, when you you know you were talking about being a concert pianist, and then you became a photographer. And, it it really struck me because uh, I spent a lot of time looking at your portfolio online before this podcast, and I'm just blown away by your work. and And, Thank and you. it it really struck me that you're just a creative person. Um, music happened to be one outlet, and then you changed your outlet to photography. You didn't necessarily become one thing or another. You're you're a creative creator, and uh, you well, just have you. different outputs. Uh, thanks. I, I appreciate that. I kind of think of myself that same way as well. Um, you know, uh, when one is creative, uh, the tools are kind of a secondary thing, whether it's a camera or a piano or a hammer or whatever it is that you use for your tools to do whatever it is that you like to or want to create. Um, there is, there are a lot of similarities, obviously, uh, Jack and I talked about the similarities between uh, music and photography. There, there are just a lot of them. One, one of the most basic is the fact that in both pursuits, one tends to work alone, uh, kind of in the dark, uh, I, I, pun is intended there, uh, for long periods of time uh, without much input from the outside. Uh, 
uh, it's a sort of a solitary pursuit. Uh, when I was playing the piano, I was practicing six to eight hours a day. I'd just sit there at the piano and practice on my own. Uh, with photography, I'm, you know, now that I'm working digitally, I'm sitting at a computer all day long, getting what they call that secretary spread. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. It'll fix It'll fix your thumb too. You know, you're, yeah. you're getting mouse hand. You know, whatever, whatever you want to call. It. Exactly. You know, in, in in your, I know, and I know we talked about this, but I'd like to talk a little bit for our listeners about your kind of how you work, um, because it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing that I think a lot of us kind of work the same way, but we don't realize it i and i think you realize it um though you if you we go to your gallery page on huntington weather dot com um there are i don't know maybe 12 13 galleries up on there and one would think that you you know you spent you spent time in one area and 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 like a lot of us um you work in a a lot of areas and then kind of put things together. And I know you've got um, projects that you've done, you've put together over the years and maybe just talk about that a little bit. Cause it's a, it's an interesting concept on, on working creatively. Sure. Well, uh, <clears throat> in terms of projects, uh, I, it does appear that I end up with uh, a sort of project oriented approach. Uh, there are, I think the galleries are actually nine different galleries, which is nine different series of work um, that are shown on the website. I have other series, but, uh, you know, there's limits to what you can put up on a single website. Uh, But anyway, um, I tend to, uh, particularly since having taken up digital photography in the early 90s, I have tended to think about photography as being a uh, a lot about gathering raw materials for f- photographs. Uh, when I'm out photographing, uh, I am shooting a lot of different kinds of things. Uh, those photographs that I take might not have any relationship to one another, but when I get back in the studio and sort of process everything out and look at what I've got, things tend to fall into certain categories or certain projects. Uh, For example, I have a series called Inanimate Animals, which is depictions of uh, animals that are not alive, sculptures, uh, dioramas, things like that. They're all of uh, essentially wild animals Uh, and dragons and dinosaurs and that kind of thing. Uh, I might photograph those kinds of subjects at, while I'm, during the same day, I might go outdoors and take a landscape photograph. So I'm really gathering, you know, new material for just about all of the work, all of the series that I do on an ongoing basis, generally. Uh, but I don't start a project and say, okay, I'm going to do this particular project. I'm going to, for example, I'm going to do uh, a series about Las Vegas. I have a series called Virtual Reality mm-hmm. about the strip in Las Vegas. Uh, I didn't say I'm going to do a s- series now of Las 
Vegas and I went to Las Vegas a bunch of times and photographed it and then put that series together and said, okay, there's my project, Las Vegas, virtual reality. Uh, no. What I did was over a period of probably 15 to 20 years, I have tra- you know, occasionally traveled to Las Vegas and added to that uh, project over a period of time and then put it all together after the fact. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of how it is. Uh, I guess the only uh, the sort of the basic uh, intellectual difference is that I don't plan a series and then do it. I just work and create, and things tend to fit into things. Uh, I might even take a bunch of photographs that I have no idea where they fit, and after a period of time, I might go back and look at them and say, you know, these might make a good new series of something, you know, who knows what. Uh, but that's kind of how I start a new series. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. I was just, you know, it's funny, we were talking to you today and we brought that up. I was just uh, myself musing over the fact that I have uh, a lot of pictures of wood, you know, mm-hmm. macro shots of wood. Wood has a lot of life, texture, color, pattern, movement in it. And I thought, yeah. you know what? I have enough now. It's time to start a new series of wood. And, you know, yeah. it's just something that's caught my attention over the years. And it's, I've just been collecting these shots of, of different pieces of old and weathered wood. And, uh, we've now gotten to that point where I think I have enough to, to start to formulate the, the makings of a series. So it's right. really, uh, it's really interesting how we are, this topic has come up today. I like that. Thank you. You know, I think welcome. And uh, I was just going to sort of spray in one caveat, and that is that this is not the only way to work, and and is not necessarily the end all and be all or correct way to work. It just happens to be the way that I've kind of approached everything. So, if you're out and you know you're the kind of person that likes to, for example, uh, create a photograph by. planning out what it is that you're going to photograph, maybe even making a drawing of it, you know, and sketches of it, and then going out and doing that, that's a legitimate way to work as well. It's just that I work this particular way because that's kind of the way it feels comfortable for me. I I think a lot of people fall into traps, Huntington, that they'll say, well, you know, like, you know, I, I don't live far currently. I don't live currently far from Mount Rainier. And people say, well, you know, I'm going to go out and photograph the snow up at Mount Rainier today. And they have that in their mind. And on the way to the snow at Mount Rainier, there might be, you know, multiple opportunities to photograph some other things that they see. But they get so pigeonholed into one one thing that they miss. uh, They miss uh, opportunities opportunities yeah. that, that are right in front of you, you know. And- uh, a good friend, uh, Paul Caponegro, whom I've known for uh, probably as long as I've been photographing, uh, once said to me early on, he said, uh, you know, you really shouldn't go out and look for photographs. Uh, frankly, the way I describe it is that I was in the beginning going out and with a preconceived idea of what I was going to photograph. And it was almost as if I was forcing images down the throat of my camera. And right. frankly, a lot of things didn't work out. And the, and what the way you described it is exactly correct. When you're got a pre when you've got a preconceived notion, uh, you're going to pass by a lot of really great opportunities 
what Paul said was, just be still with yourself. The photographs will find you. And he's really right. If you can just kind of let all the expectations go out the window and just go out to photograph, you're going to find some wonderful things. uh, Great photographs can be made just about anywhere. Yeah, you know, I I, I even got to the point, Huntington, that, you know, I have an idea what the weather is going to. I used to be, a, you know, I, I'm a, kind of a weather nut. I like to, mm-hmm. it, it fascinates me to the point that, you know, if I was going out, I I look, uh, it's going to be, this is what it's going to be. And it's going to be this, going to be that. It's going to be great. And I get to where I'm going and it's nothing like the weather forecast. And rather, you know, I, I'd get kind of disappointed and get, you know, get negative And I don't even look at the weather now i kind of have an idea what it's going to do but i don't care i i I rather react to you know the 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 situation rather than have a preconceived any preconceived notions about anything i think i think adding to what you said huntington about being um being still with yourself it's it's being open with yourself as well and being being um, attentive to where where you're at and where you're where you might get a little spark of energy as you're out and about. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, and I, that's not easy. To, it's not easy to do. Oh, no. Uh, no. I, I'm a person who, uh, uh, you know, I was sort of a hyperactive rat as a kid and, uh, you know, didn't always have uh, a lot of patience. Uh, <clears throat> photography, if nothing else, has taught me great patience. Yeah. Right. And uh, to let go of expectations and not have a lot of, you know, uh, preconceived notions about what you're going to find, what you're going to do. Yeah. It's really uh, um, my uh, a childhood friend of mine, a guy by the name of Chris Marvin, uh, said to me one time, he, he and I were flying up to Lake Tahoe to, uh, I was uh, probably 16 at the time. We were flying up to Lake Tahoe to a college that he was attending on uh, Christmas break, and there was a horrid, horrible uh, snowstorm and windstorm as this uh, prop plane uh, went in to land at the Lake Tahoe airport, and the ride was incredibly rough, and Chris looked over at me, saw that I, I, I always hated flying, by the way, and I don't fly anymore, but... Uh, at this time, I, you know, I had the white knuckles and I was really worried that I, I was sure we were going to crash. He looked at me and he said, you know, when the going gets tough, hang on tight. He said, but if that doesn't work, just let go and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been advice that I, I've found to be really good advice throughout my life. It's just, you know, rather than trying to hang on, let go and see what happens. I have to believe you're, continue, you're continuing to add to these galleries, they're not, I don't think, and if I'm wrong, correct me, but I don't think they'll ever be, in your mind, completed. Well, some of them are and some of them aren't. Uh, huh. I did a, a color series called Photosynthesis, mm-hmm. which is uh, photographs of flowers that have been heavily manipulated in Photoshop and uh, 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 Corel Painter and other kinds of uh, software programs. Uh, that series... Uh, was about 10, 12 years long, and it's done. I, I haven't done one of those. I sort of said, this is complete. I had four or 500 of those images and uh, just felt like I was repeating myself. And by the way, that's the one thing that gets me to keep continually 
changing the way I work is the fact that I get bored with what I'm doing and, and feel like I'm repeating myself. And once I do that, I think it's time to move along to something else. Uh, so uh, some of the series, yes, I've, uh, I, I won't continue them. Uh, others, like the Orchestrating Icons series, which is my landscape work, mm-hmm. uh, I continue to do that. That's the one subject matter I've never dropped over the years. Is there anything new that you're working on that's not 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 visible on your on your website yet? Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just got back from a three week trip uh, to the Southwest. Uh, I've been working on uh, probably thirty new images in the last week or so. Uh, those will go up on the site in the recent work gallery probably in the next two weeks. One of the things I've uh, done on with my website and uh happy that i did this in the beginning and less happy uh currently that i've done it because uh you'll understand what i'm talking about in a minute uh i decided that what i was going to do each quarter was to write an article about the aesthetics of photography and uh then publish that article as a newsletter quote unquote uh, it's called e musings Mm-hmm. It's a free newsletter that you can, you know, sign up for. And basically what I do is send out an email that says, okay, I've put a new article up on the website. And when I do that, I put up new work. Each time I do that, I put up new work in the recent work gallery, uh, usually 15 to 20 new images. And that happens quarterly. So there's new work going on to my site, you know, all year long. One of the problems with this is that, not only do I have to come up with new work each quarter, but I got to come up with a, an article, an essay, and that is even tougher for me than photography is. I have I have a real hard time coming up with what to say in the newsletter, and so, and this coupled with the fact that, uh, and I don't want to get negative here because uh, there's no reason to be negative about anything having to do with photography. I mean, something that's as much fun as photography is, there's nothing negative about it. The old saying, uh, a bad day of photography is better than a good day of just about anything else. Mm-hmm. So, True. Uh, but anyway, COVID has made everything more difficult. And uh, the fact that uh, this three-week trip I took, uh, normally I would travel one to two months a year uh, and you know just travel all over the place and photograph. Uh, I haven't done that for two years. This is the first trip I've taken in two years. And as a result, it's the first time I picked up a camera in two years. Uh, So uh, when you're not, you know, first of all, uh, professing to be a working photographer, it's a little more difficult to uh, perpetuate when you don't pick up your camera and you allow, you know, the dust to collect on it as I have over the past couple of years. Uh, and secondly, when you're not doing the activity, it becomes more difficult to write about it. So if you go to my website now, you'll see that the most recent thing I posted there was last June. Norm, I, I've missed an entire quarter, and I'm, mm-hmm. you know I have a tendency to blame all that on COVID. Uh, although, you know, uh, I have done a lot of work around my home photographically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's really no good excuse. It's, it, it is an excuse, but, uh, 
that's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. I just have a harder time writing. Uh, I do have new work I've, I'm working on and it will be posted once I get an article together. Well, please get an article together because I've, I've read your stuff and it's, it's really, you know, for the people who are listening to this, you, you can really, this is, this is a research. It's a, really not only inspiring but highly educational and it'd be good for you all to get into Huntington's work it's it's very unique stuff thank you it is you know and that and that's one of the things we were talking about a little bit earlier is uh, you know one of the ways I would classify Huntington is very much a, a thinking photographer you really think about being creative and what you're doing and instead of just rotely you know, put your tripod here and push the button. You really work at at creating visual imagery. You know, Thank one you. of the, one I, of the I, things I, we talked about earlier is yeah. you know, photography is a form of communication, and uh, and uh, I kind of like what you said of of how. Or I'll let you say it. Remember, you we were we were talking about how some images it's the photographer puts everything communication wise in this image and people have to take it or leave it or th- this was a little bit around the enigmatic collection that you have yeah yeah could you just uh reiterate what you said earlier around that sure uh the the purpose uh, in fact uh well I- I wish I had it in front of me because I could read it and it would be more exact, but I'll try to paraphrase what I've actually said. And that is that uh, uh, enigmata is, uh, comes from the word enigma, which is a puzzling or curious situation that needs further explanation. Photography I've always thought of as a form of communication. Communication implies an exchange between two people. Yet with most of photography, it's not an exchange between two people. It's one photographer showing the rest of the world his or her view of the world. And basically with the expectation, or if not that, the hope uh, that the audience will see things and feel about those things the same way as the photographer does. That's not communication. That's basically, uh, that's, that's one way. It's not a two-way communication. So with this anima, Enigmata series, my intention is that I don't have any expect, expectations about what the audience will see in those particular photographs. People will see things based upon what their memories are, what their, uh, you know, hopes and Dreams may be, maybe, they, maybe even the images might remind them of a dream they had or make, you know, bring some other thought to the surface. Uh, by allowing the viewer to have more input into the image, it's my belief that at least in some ways it becomes more of a two-way communication uh, by not photographing in a way to allow, to basically say to the audience, this is what you're going to see and this is what you're going to feel about it. Yeah, wonderful. I don't so. know that I could explain it any better. Probably, if you read, <laughs> read, read uh, you know, I took a lot of time to try to come up with just the right words uh, for the description. Uh, but in the Enigmatic Gallery on my website, there is a the explanation as to what it is, and it makes I think much better sense. I'm oh, it does. You know, it does. No, it's uh, well, well written. 
Well, so. and thank thank you for sharing that. And folks, you know, I'll sure. put uh, I'll put the show notes up with links to uh, Huntington's webpage and, and this gallery <coughs> in particular. And and I think you did some uh, you did some wonderful video interviews with uh, with Brooks Jensen, uh, the publisher of Lenswork Magazine. I think just on this series itself, right? Yes, uh, there is a there's a video on the site uh, that was done with, with Brooks. Um, couple of years ago when that work was featured in Lenswork magazine uh, issue so, 133 by the way oh thank you Good. <laughs> I, I would never have known that <laughs> jack is a wealth of knowledge well i, I just like Lenswork. work you know yeah. we were talking before i i like to look at images on paper i, I you know monitors are great I, I love all the stuff that we have it's great but looking at an image on paper in a book to me is just a different experience. And I'm yeah. I'm holding I'm holding in my my uh, grubby little fingers here that issue. And uh, I've been I know when we were doing this podcast, I pulled it out of my library and and have reread it a few times. And it's exceptional. It really is. Thank you. Kudos. Thank you. Well, I'll I, tell you. I, well, it's something that. Um... Uh, what's interesting about that particular series and having that go into lens work, one of the things that uh, uh, occurred as a result of it was Brooks uh, got a number of complaints from readers about the fact, why was he publishing something that was so clearly not photography? <coughs> and uh, <laughs> and I, I, you know, I have to agree that in that particular case, one can make an argument that it isn't strictly photography. It's photography-based, but I'm also using uh, digital drawings and sketches uh, that are done with a, a program called Procreate and mm -hmm. combining those with bits and pieces of photographs to produce the end result. So it may not be strictly photography, but I, when people say, uh, I also have this uh, photosynthesis series, which is the color botanical images, that are highly manipulated, and uh, I've had uh, people accuse me of that not being photography as well, and I always like to remind them that uh, the literal translation of photography is drawing with light. Correct. And uh, so in the case of the Enigmata series and also the photosynthesis series as well, uh, the fact that I am actually drawing with light, I'm, I'm you know, taking a photograph and, and actually adding light to it and where it didn't maybe exist before, that could, at least from a, a uh, an intellectual standpoint, be argued to be more of an act of photography than pointing a camera at, at light that has already been composed for you and drawn Correct. for you. But, so, you know, and, and, and in addition to that, you know, these images in the Enigmatic uh, series – um, they, 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 I don't want to say force you, but they, I think they require more time spent looking at them. You know, when we look at an image of, you know, the mittens in Monument Valley, unless there's some great light or, you know, something different than what we've seen, you know, we'll look at it for a few seconds or maybe a minute or whatever and move on. But, 
you know, you really have to take some time and study these images because what they mean to me, they're not going to mean to John, and I'm sure they don't mean to you, the creator of them. You know. Yeah. Well, if if that's the case, then I'm happy because I that that was my intention, and uh, if it causes you to look a little bit harder, all the better. Yeah. Well, I just think that's that's what makes an image um, a really interesting image is that it makes you you know spend some time and try to come out come up with whatever it means to you rather than maybe what it meant to the photographer you know right well, thank um, you. you know we're not a gear centric uh podcast here but mm-hmm. do you miss the uh large format at all uh no not not in the least yeah. Uh, there are so many more opportunities for the visual language to be expanded when using digital Yeah, uh, that I, I never could have even dreamed of doing uh, with conventional tools and materials. Uh, you know, there were for years there were arguments against digital and, uh, you know, we've all heard them. Uh, I think those arguments are starting to fade into the distance now that uh, digital photography has really gotten to be kind of the predominant way in which photographs are made. Um, there obviously still are uh, photographers out there who are using conventional tools and materials, and those methods and those tools and materials are perfectly valid, and uh, they cannot be replaced. Uh, but the digital approach is indeed a different way to approach photography, but it's every bit as legitimate as the conventional approach. Yeah, I mean, it's the I image. Think from a production yeah. standpoint, uh, it, you know, uh, when I used to go out with a 5x7 view camera, and I, I, I know what I've, I'm speaking of here because I worked for 35 years in film. And uh, I've now worked for probably 25 years. There was an overlap. I'm not quite that old. Uh, but then I worked for 25 years in digital. So I've worked in both camps. I know how they both work. I'm, I'm pretty intim- intimately familiar with both. There are advantages to both approaches, and there are disadvantages to both approaches. It's just a matter of what your temperament likes and how you like to work. And I, I prefer the digital approach. So. Are, 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 do you, do you, uh, most of what you have on that i've that, I'm, that i've seen is in in uh in um, monochrome black and white whatever yeah. you want to call it um yeah. there are some some color things and the photosynthesis and uh, are you a predominantly uh non-color working photographer or uh not necessarily so i i uh uh chose Black and white, mostly, I think, in the beginning, because working with color processes back in the early 70s meant working with uh, slides, transparencies, and then trying to do color printing, which was, you know, not necessarily very, uh, not necessarily overly difficult, but uh, not really very controllable. And uh, the amount of manipulation that you could do to for example, the color palette itself was pretty well set with films. You know, if you're using uh, Velvia, you got a certain kind of color. If you were using Kodachrome, you got a certain kind of color right. palette. Uh, with digital, 
uh, I finally have been able to make the color palette I want to make. You, you, you can with, you know, with obviously with the computer, you can make the colors be any color you want. And you can also do that with black and white. You can make the tonal values be any way that you desire. Uh, so the uh, possibilities for, uh, uh, I, I don't mind saying the word manipulation. A lot of people think, oh, that's a terrible thing in art manipulation. Well, manipulation is what art is all about. It's, uh, if we all took photographs that were exactly like what was in front of the camera at the time we snapped the shutter, photography would be a pretty boring pursuit, not only for the practitioners, but for the audience as well. Yeah, and you know, if you, if you, if you, if you uh, use an ND filter, you're manipulating the image before you, when you take it. And, and if you're using a... Or you know, a telephoto lens. You're manipulating. You know, this this is a whole big. My my view is, I just want to see the, the image, and right. that's what attracts me to your work. It's just, it's just that it, it makes me, makes me think, and makes me, uh, you know, it's just, it's 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 like listening to like we said the other day. It's like listening to Charlie Parker. You know, you yeah, keep well, listening to it, and you hear different things all the time. Thanks very much. I, I appreciate that. So, Huntington, jumping jumping back a little bit, what the other uh, kind of note I wanted to call out to the to the viewers is, you know, you have a, a huge breadth of subject matter that you photograph. You know, and and when you yeah. introduced yourself, you introduced yourself as a fine art photographer, not a nature photographer or a whatever else subgenre we want to use to to identify ourselves but a, a fine art photographer and you know you've got automotive you've got landscape and nature you've got abstracts digital art um in, in your mind what you know where where do you why do you choose the subjects that you choose okay well that's a good question um First, uh, I, I probably uh, misspoke when I categorized myself <laughs> as a fine art photographer. The way I like to describe myself as being a photographer and visual artist. There you go. And what that means is that I'm a visual artist, but I happen to use a camera for, for, my, uh, for most of my work. Anyway, uh, the way I choose subject matter is, uh, and I know this is going to sound weird, but... Uh, I choose my subject matter by ignoring the subject matter entirely and not choosing it. I really look for new photographs based upon light alone. Once I see light that I, I find to be uh, interesting and potential potentially uh, interesting for a photograph, I will photograph that light and it doesn't really matter what the subject matter is. Now, I'm going to uh, throw in a caveat and say, of course, I like to gravitate to places that I enjoy being. For example, I love to be out in the outdoors in the desert. So I do a lot of landscape work in the desert. Uh, I photograph, you know, a lot of landscape in the desert. Uh, the reason I chose that subject matter is because I like to be there. But for me, subject matter is always going to be a secondary concern to the light Light is really the most important thing when you're photographing. If you think about it, you're not taking a picture of a tree. You're taking a picture of the light 
that is illuminating the tree. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference there. And if you can get that in your head, that you're recording light and not necessarily recording objects and things, uh, it's amazing how much better your photography will, will get. Oh, it, it, if you totally. If concentrate on the light. Totally. You know, the other kind of the variation of it, thank you for sharing that. I think the, the other rant that I've been on recently for myself is is I, I look way beyond the subject, and I'm just looking at, at light, shape, pattern, texture, tonalities, mm-hmm. those types of things. Those qualities are what I'm looking for out in the field. I'm not looking at subjects. I'm looking at, at pattern, shape, texture, color, light whatever right anything other than the subject i think you said it so much better than than i could ever but uh and that's a huge step creatively to really broadening ourselves as as creative people is is don't limit yourself by subjects um, uh i i would agree with that yes of course yeah um i think that uh uh you know i always look for the light first then once I find the light and it catches my eye, then I look and see and sort of intellectually start setting up my camera and seeing how I can arrange whatever it is that's in front of me in an interesting composition in order to record whatever it is. There's a, uh, I can't remember, I'm going to screw this up because I can't remember the title of the essay, um, but there's an essay on the website about this specific issue. Um, I should uh, hang on a second here and let me look it up because I, I think it's important. Um, insert insert music here. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, no, that's okay. It's um, all good. Well, it's a it's a it's a topic that I'm extremely passionate about myself and. Uh, uh, yeah, this is called The Strongest Way of Seeing. That's the title of the essay. And it is uh, that uh, that state or that title, The Strongest Way of Seeing, is actually from a quote by Edward Weston. When asked to define composition, Edward Weston responded, good c- composition is the strongest way of seeing. Hmm. And so this whole essay is about the act of seeing, and I talk about one specific photograph uh, and how I formulated the composition. And uh, the whole import of the article is basically that the light is what attracted me to the place in the first place, and the light is what won out in the end. And I talk about all the different iterations I go through in producing that particular photograph, uh, anyway, uh, that will address this question, I think, hopefully, uh, very well. Yeah, I have I have that in front of me, and it does. I'm going to read it when we're done. Um, this is all good, and you know, uh, we're 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 about uh, ready to bank things up here, and okay. boy, this 45 minutes went fast, but just. Um, uh, we, uh, we haven't talked about this, Huntington, but John and I are putting together a kind of a oh some podcasts with some folks like uh, like Guy Tal and uh, Michael Gordon and probably Alistair Ben and mm-hmm. and we probably going to want to ask you to be part of this and it's gonna it's gonna talk about seeing and. 
being creative and all that kind of stuff. And um, it's in its, uh, John, what would you say? It's in its infancy now, but it's going to grow it's going to grow pretty fast once we get going and yeah. we're probably for sure going to want to get you on that and get you back. Um, folks that are listening to this, please do yourself a favor and get to Huntington's website. There is a, a, a there are volumes of resources. For example, this article we just talked about, if you, you know, look under resources and go to newsletter archives, there's, there's a, just, just a, a, a myriad of information there that is not only going to motivate you, it's going to inspire you and, and hopefully, you know, help, help you to become an artist instead of someone who owns a camera. There are a lot of these days. <laughs> didn't, hope oh, I didn't, offend, hope, I didn't want to offend anybody. So I tried yeah. to make it as politically correct as I could. Sometimes I'm don't, not too don't good Don't forget at that. that any photographer uh, who calls themselves a photographer is doing their best work at the time they are doing their work. So, <laughs> exactly. uh, you know, we're all, uh, I've been doing this, like I said, for over a half a century. If I wasn't doing it pretty well by this point, uh, I should probably reevaluate my life. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you well, do something keep... every day for 50 years. If you're not going to be better at it than, I am when you do that. I'd yeah, be very surprised. Don't reevaluate too much because I need you to. We need you to keep doing what you're doing. It's all For good. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you. Know, you. It's all well, good. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you. Yeah. Both, and uh, yes, I look forward to speaking with you in the future. We're going to get you back on here, John. Any last minute uh, ideas or no comments? No, it's been uh, completely inspiring and. Uh, I have a lot of reading to do now on uh, some articles that I missed on your website. So I'm, I've Huntington. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you both. And folks, uh, just one more time. It's Huntington. Uh, if, if you're from Long Island, New York, there is a Huntington, Long Island, but it's Huntington. Weatherill. W i t h. I'm I'm going to say it wrong till I I I croak here, honey. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Wither. I'm, I'm going to try Witherill. Correct. Perfect. There you go. And it's W I T H E R I L L. So it's one word, Huntington Witherill dot com. That's it. Market, folks. Just bookmark it. And and you, you'll be a better person for it. Huntington, thanks so much, and we'll talk soon. And thank you again for being here, John. Uh, keep dry. We've got uh, as usual rain, 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 rain. So, yep. But good light. Maybe go for a ride. <laughs> yep, indeed. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you all. Bye bye now. All right. Bye bye.